I'm Jerry Adler, and I played Hesh on The Sopranos. And you're listening to Pada Bing. I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. If you'd like to participate in our new trivia series, DM at Pada Bing on Instagram. Finally, please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get shows. And if you like what we're doing, please spread the word. If you'd like a pictorial and caption companion to the podcast, follow at Potabang on Instagram. And as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is my conversation with Jerry Adler. Jerry played Hesh on the show. Jerry joined me in studio right after finishing up work on the Amazon series Transparent. We talked about his early career as a stage manager, the character Hesh, and how integral he was to the Soprano family history and story, and Jerry's thoughts and impressions of the show, the writers, its creator, and much more. Jerry was honest and candid, and it was a treasure to be able to sit down and spend some time with him. I'm excited to share it with you. So here it is, my conversation with Jerry Adler. So, Jerry, thank you for being here. My pleasure. You've got a birthday coming up. Monday. Happy early birthday. It's a big number, too. Uh, It's a round number. It's a round number. (laughs) Um, So, you started your career as a stage manager. What did that entail, and how did you pivot to acting? I did uh, over 50 shows on Broadway as a stage manager and a director. Produced a couple of shows, but when you're a stage manager, you wind up running the uh, the production and keeping it up first night so the quality of the show remains as it was on the first night and so you're you're really in charge of the show after the director leaves keeping it consistent keeping it consistent how did you pivot to acting from that well i started uh, moved to california 19, 1980 and i was directing a soap opera here a friend of mine was producing, was uh, casting a movie, and she said, uh, every time this director repi- uh, explains who he wants for this part, he's describing you. Can you come, out? Can you come over and meet him? And so I went over and meet him, and uh, it, as it turned out, I got a part in this movie. It was called The Public Eye with Joe Pesci, and uh, that was my first real acting job. I had done a couple of little little TV things as a a guest. Yeah. But this is my first real acting job. Interesting. Uh, And what year was that? That was 1982. Okay. So bring us to 1997, I guess, was when the pilot was being shot for The Sopranos. How did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the backstory? I had done a couple of episodes of Northern Exposure, and I played a kind of a rabbi on it. David Chase wrote Northern Exposure. So I was in New York. Uh, I, had, I was doing some, soap, uh, some um, episodes on a, uh, on a sitcom. And, you know, when you do a sitcom, you work three weeks and you have a week off. So I was in New York on my week off visiting, you know, and uh, I got a phone call from David. He was doing this, this pilot, and he said, I had a part in this thing. It's a cameo. I wonder if you could come down and do it for me. And I said, when are you doing it? He said, well, day after tomorrow. Can you? I said, sure, I'm here in New York. And uh, he said, um, 
you're going to enjoy it. It's called The Sopranos. So I said, geez, Sopranos, I have to warn you, David. I don't sing. I thought it was some sort of musical. A lot of people did. Yeah. And so uh, we, I did two days on the pilot, three days on the pilot, and went back to California working on my, on, on, on my sitcom. And, of course, it took a little while before HBO decided that they were going to, going to buy it. Yeah. Uh, were there any other Heshes on the table, or was it a direct call no, from David a, that you were the guy? It was a direct, would you do it? Yeah. Which That's, is very unusual. Right, very unusual, especially from what I've heard from other actors that were on the show. There was a, it was a dance, a little bit of a dance uh, that none, had to take place. None of them were Jewish. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. That was the thing. Um, well, Hesh is a very unique character in the show, which I'm going to kind of hopefully get your take on in a moment here. Um, did you read for anything else besides Hesh, or was it always Hesh from the beginning? For oh, you? it was Hesh. He actually offered, and I, I took it, and that was that was, that was the that. part. That was it. And you never it, saw anybody else for that part. In terms of uh, the longevity of, of the character on the show, that sort of just unfolded as time progressed, right? He didn't really have a vision on what Hesh was going to be uh, early on. It was sort of evolutionary. As he, or did he? as he explained to me first, was it was a cameo just on the pilot. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to go on from there. HBO liked the character. Yeah, and so he began writing it in. Yeah, and I would do an episode uh, every fourth week because I was still doing my sitcom. Ah. So every time he I, he would call me and say, when are you going to be available? I would tell him when I was going to be in on my on my week off and he would write me in whenever I came to New York. Interesting. That's, that's why I'm not really in a lot of them. Well, you're in 28 of them, beginning with the pilot and continuing through the entire series. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. There's a there's a little bit of uh, orchestration that takes place and when Hesh appears on the show mm-hmm. that I'd like to get your take on. But for me, Hesh was on the board of directors of Tony's thing. Uh, is that approximate? What's your take on Hesh? Who was he? Hesh was Joe uh, was um, Tony's father's best friend and they were in in uh, the music business together they did uh, what do you call those nickel machines in diners you know you put jukebox uh, they were in the jukebox business together uh, and that's how Hesh knew the kid who was really Tony yeah so Tony looked upon Hesh upon as a kind of an uncle uncle was there any Jerry Adler in Hesh it was all Jerry Adler <laughs> <laughs> he would know, I had no idea how to do it except that. Couldn't do it any other way. No, yeah. It was kind of established from the pilot, and the pilot was so quickly done, uh, I had to play kind of me. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like I mentioned, you appeared in 28 episodes, beginning with the pilot and continuing through the entire series. Was it only 28? Did you, did you count? 28 total. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, that's the internet telling me that. Looking back today encapsulate that time what conversations moments experiences come to the surface when you hear a question like that what comes to mind is the fact that we became a family and i was only there uh, as i say interruptedly every month or so and but if as the years rolled on and and uh, i became more uh, available the group kind of took me in as part of the family, and I was they was looked upon. You know, these guys were really a bunch of really rough characters, and they all took on the aspect of um, pay respect to Hesh because Hesh 
either kind of uh, head couple or in consigliari or, yeah. or whatever. And so everybody had a kind of respect for him and for me, as it turned out. Yeah, that's how it truly was conveyed. And that's why Hesher such yeah. a he's such a uh, fan favorite, too, because he was sort of a viewer surrogate, if you will, too, because he wasn't involved directly. I was never involved. He couldn't be um, because of birth and because of a tradition. But he it was special because he had this sort of, again, consigliere effect. I couldn't be a made man. He couldn't because... be a made man. Yeah. Right. But and that also gives gives us makes us as a fan feel mm. like more accessible to you right. because we're all kind of looking at this thing through a window, you know. And so Hesh was sort of a delivery device. Do you feel that Hesh was kind of more innocent than everybody else? In his own way, uh, there was there were certain lines that he would not cross. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, his uh, four corners of the law were narrower mm-hmm. than Tony's and and that thing. But uh, he was a pretty tough guy. But he, Tony always asked him for advice when there was really uh, something close, and he couldn't figure it out all the way. And when he, he was worried about it, he would come to Hesh's. Because he needed to expand his universe. And chat it out, yeah. Yeah, and there was a trust yeah. that goes back to the time with, with Johnny Boy. Right. Right? Um, which, again, was a beautiful little act of writing to sort of just have that connection to Tony's past from the very beginning. You know that Hesh is sort of like this encyclopedia mm-hmm. of the whole sort of storyline of The Sopranos. Right. Um, which, as we know, there's going to be a prequel movie coming out, and I, I feel like there's going to be a young Hesh in there somewhere. It's going to um, be it's going to be Jimmy Sons doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, he's doing young Tony Soprano. Yeah. Uh, but the young Hesh is going to have to play a major role in this as well because Absolutely. he was well, there. I don't know. He won't be around, you see, because uh, he was in business with well. I guess it was. 1968. This is the height of the music business. It'll be the forming of that company where they work together. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, It'll be interesting to see all that unfold because... um, Of course, they were accused of cheating the black artists. Yeah. It was an episode about that. A hit is a hit. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was the beginning of that. That'll be very interesting. You appeared in many high-stakes episodes, okay? So Tony even goes to Hesh when he's on the outs with Melfi seeking a therapeutic environment. There's a great episode where you guys have a lot of fun exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Hesh being in episodes where consequential things were unfolding was by design? That Hesh was a counterbalance to disorder in some way? I think that uh, David, knowing I was going to be coming in a couple of weeks, let's say, or, or 10 days... He would, uh, that would spark him into what he was doing with the next episode. So he knew I was becoming available on a certain time, a certain date, and he would, uh, he would fashion that episode if I was available and he was interested in, in using Hesh in that episode. So some of it was procedural yeah. uh, or, or, or logistic, logistical, yeah. logistical. Yeah. but it worked out in such a way that whenever, pardon my French, whenever shit was going down, mm-hmm. Hesh was there right. as sort of a steady kind right. of like counterbalance. Yeah. And again, why so many people love that character. It is amazing because if you're saying I was only in 28, I, these people, I'm still being remembered on the street and so, it's amazing how people remember that. Even today? Yeah. Yeah. This is what, it's 10 years since it was Since the, the finale, since the finale. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, what's amazing is that uh, 
the writing and the framing and the lighting and the, the shot selection of the show has made it actually timeless. Yeah. It's not like television. It's not like film even. It's this own unique sort of thing. Well, I think we made a movie every nine days. There you go. It you was, truly, tr- truly did. It was um, movie style. It was that much care. Yeah. David knew exactly what he wanted, but he was making a movie every week. And part of that, why people are still talking about it and why I'm doing this podcast and why this exists and why yeah. we're sitting together is because there's so much content out today. Mm-hmm. So much. This was in a moment in time when you could actually take time and be precise and be accurate and be mm-hmm. careful and mm-hmm. be methodical. There's a lot of great stuff out today, but there's nothing that rises to the level that I feel like we're going to be talking about it in 20 years. The level of the writing is the really what... Yeah. Really, Which is, is just a, amazing. And then also the the... The enactment of it, you know, the execution of the writing is... Um, and great casting. Great casting, which again... And a lot of very am- amateur actors. Yeah. I mean, Stevie had never acted before. Right. Um, I don't think I don't think Tony Sirico ever acted before. He may have been in a couple he, of... He had a few things. roles. He was a, he was a boss in a movie. Even Jimmy he, himself was never... Yeah. This is his really big f- first leading role. Of course. This is the thing that changed, broke the whole thing open. Yeah. Towards the end of the show's run, there was some bad blood between Tony and Hesh over the repayment of debt. Yeah. Hesh's fate is kind of left open, like many things in the show. It's always ambiguous. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I'm I'm imagining David Chase liked it. Being behind the scenes and being there, do you have any behind the scenes insights on discussions about Hesh or what happened to him? We were talking about once, if the show was going to go on... And, of course, at that point, nobody knew whether or not, you know, Jimmy had the strength to keep going because he was exhausted from it. Uh, David kept saying that if, if, it, if it goes on, uh, there's going to be a strong friendship again. They, this money is going to be forgotten. Not really, but it'll be worked out. It, it's, it's a thing that you paid me back, boom, it's all over. Yeah. What stands out to you most about David Chase? This man was the most agonizing-looking human being. I've never seen a man smile. He is so sad most of the time. He is so into the writing of this. He was so... His mind was on one thing. He was just a straight thinker all the time. He was soprano-minded. He was never... When we were jocular and having a lot of fun on the set, David never joined in. He never was part of the joking, part of the the camaraderie, none none of that. Why do you think that is? He he didn't want to get friendly with anybody. He wanted uh, separation. He wanted however his mind was going to go and what direction the show was going to go. He didn't want to become involved in somebody except, of course, uh, Tony. You think that would have affected the the quality of the show? Is that what Michael Comparelli was looked upon as kind of as a kind of a Tony's son, but everybody else was really outside the realm of the family. How do you feel about that as somebody who's been in this business for so long? Is that is that choice to keep it separate a good thing, or is it a dangerous thing, or is it a are you kind of ambivalent about it? For this man to come up with that quality of work week after work, for we did it almost 
Nine, no, it's like 97 nine to 2007, yeah. Nine years. And to, for this man to be able to do this, he had some some help from Matt Wiener and, and, and Winters, but he woke, he wrote this thing every week for all, for how many episodes? 86. How many? 86. 86 episodes of an hour a week. It was exact, I can't, I, I stand in awe. Densely packed hour, by the way. Uh, boy. <laughs> yeah, start to finish. Unbelievable. The opening credits, you almost And the actually... quality of the psychiatrist was very interesting. The, the relationship between those two people. How did David know about this? Beautiful thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. He actually, those he drew on his own personal experiences for those therapy sessions. Had to be, yeah. But the level of consistency of it and the, the choice to just do no camera movement, just cut, 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 it was, it was just... And how's Tony's reaction to those questions? Very it, interesting. Yeah, their banter is... Uh, Little did Tony know he was being <laughs> psychiatrically evaluated. Yeah. It was very... In many ways, they broke down the barrier of that, that doctor-patient relationship. But I think that's what made the thing with Tony work. He was a mobster. He yeah. was a tough son of a... He was yeah. a yeah. killer. Yeah. And I think those sessions with the, with the psychiatrist is what made him human. Yeah. And why the audience is really worried about him. Yeah. And loved him, became involved with him. Almost, almost forgive him. It right? really was. Yeah, because he becomes a little boy in those sessions. Right. What's a memory or two you can share of your time with Jim? He was a wonderful person. Uh, my wife's father had the same birthday as Jimmy. And uh, he, I brought him down to the, to the set that he also lived in, in Jersey. Jimmy stopped working took my father-in-law into his trailer, spent the whole day with him, took him on all the sets, fed, he fed him. He would, it, was like, it was like a custodian with great heart. It was the most extraordinary. I'll never forget this. How he went out of his way. He had no reason for doing this, but he was so good to this man. It was amazing. It showed the quality of his, and when it came time to do the uh, each year, you know, it came time for contracts. If he got a raise, he demanded everybody else get a raise. He was a really extraordinary human being. Well missed. He was. He, if he had gone on from there, what would what would what would Jimmy have done after Sopranos closed? Did you watch The Night Of on HBO? Yeah. That was, he was, he was supposed an executive to do that. producer. He was supposed to be uh, yeah. John Turturro's character. Right. I think they actually shot a pilot with James Gandolfini, a oh, version with James Gandolfini. Oh, I didn't know that. But it, obviously they couldn't do it because I think he passed away shortly after. Yeah. That would have been a great pivot from him because I can imagine how hard it is to go from Tony Soprano to anything. I don't know what kind of work he would have done. He was a wonderful actor, but maybe only in that kind of work. I don't know. Did you watch the show in its entirety? Were you a fan? No. Matter of fact, I haven't watched a lot of them. But I don't usually watch anything that I'm in. In the pantheon of media, TV, film, written, or stage, do you have an opinion on where it sits with you? Like where, where it sits in, in, in the culture? It's the greatest television show in history. Without a doubt. Nothing comes close. Look what we're carrying on after. 
This this ending that we did has been we've been talking about this ending now for ten years. Even after David Chase just kind of unofficially gave the answer in that book that we talked about off That's mic, right. It's unbelievable. We're still debating it because, still debating. because there really is no real answer. It could, it could mean one thing to many people, and nobody knew. And nobody knew. But the ending was going to be except David. Yeah. There's a that st- scene went on, you know. Explain. That was not the end of. David cut where he wanted to cut, but when they were doing the scene. It was a longer scene. Of them at the table together. Yeah, there was chat. And see, I think, I'm not sure if, if the gunman came in. I think the gunman well, came in. The members in. only guy. We don't even know if he's a gunman. We just know him yeah. as the members only guy. Right. Yeah. So David was the only one who knew where he was going to end it. Yeah. I I heard from another actor that there were more pages. Yeah. But uh, there, was no, there was no understanding of when it was going to fade to black. Right. Yeah. Um, are you... Uh, you enchanted by that ending? Like, you, you did you think it was... Uh, how else could you end this? Okay. Yeah. Unless we shoot everybody and kill everybody. Yeah. How else could it end? It was... Uh, and that would have been a, kind of a plain mob killing. Wouldn't be the interesting. The truth is we would have forgotten about it. Yeah. If Tony actually does die, we wouldn't be talking about no, it. wouldn't be. But we're still talking about it. Isn't that amazing we, that we're still talking about we don't, it? We don't know. <laughs> um, I'm going to say a name, and you say the first word that comes to your mind. Hmm. James Gandolfini. A great human being. David Chase. The silent, sad face. Tony Sirico. Don't touch my hair. Heard that before many times. Little Steven. Stevie was great. He was, uh, you want a one word? Yeah, it can be two or three. I'm not going to hold you to that. It's just something that, what what comes into your brain? Energy. Michael Imperioli. Studiousness. You played Toby Ziegler's dad in The West Wing. Yeah. How did that role concurrently come about while you were on The Sopranos? Another great show. Did I do it at the same time, you mean? Yeah, well, it, that role was in 2002, so the show Sopranos was still happening. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of an interesting story there, how you went, how you did The West Wing, or any common thread between those two shows? They were both running at the same time, and they were well-oiled machines, and any stark contrasts? I was using the kind of kindness... That Hesh had the uh, the strength, the um, the silent s- s- strength that that Hesh had, and I was using that as uh, Ziegler's father, because Ziegler's f- uh, father was an ex-con. Mm-hmm. He just got out of jail, so I kind of was thinking of Tony Sirico, because Tony had you know, served time. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot. Um, how it felt to be. Uh, in prison. In prison. And um, it kind of played on my mind when I was doing that part. Interesting. I thought about Tony a lot, Tony Sirico a lot yeah. while I was doing that. Lots of young people are going to hear this. Uh, first-time watchers of the show. What do you know about acting and or the business now that you wished you had known at the beginning? Ah. Uh, I think I know... Uh, Agents have become much more important now than they were then. How so? Uh, it used to be that you would get a call because somebody was doing either a sitcom or a movie or something, and the casting guy would know who you are because you had done something before. In, in, in a movie he had, he had cast or he was doing something. Now everything is being done through auditions on tape. We never did that before. There was never auditioned. We used to go into a room with 
the producers and directors, and, and you met everybody, and it was you know, hands-on. They don't do that anymore. Now it's all done on tape. So uh, unless the producer director can understand the quality of this guy's look and, 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 and sense, but on tape, which is so um, remote, it's a miracle anybody gets cast in anything. You think that, so the agents, the role of gatekeeper is more prevalent now? Much more. The, the, oh, you've got to have an agent now. Yeah. Didn't have to then. What's on your plate these days? I'm doing this transparent m- musical finale. Oh, wow. This is the final season? Yeah. Yeah. And they've done it as a, uh, as a musical. And uh, there I am, hopping around... <laughs> Singing and dancing. Amazing. Oh, my God, where do you see it? <laughs> um, is, that, is that still in production right now? That it just, just, just ended yesterday, actually. Amazing. And I did, I did a, um, a scene from... A, Paul Rudd is doing a new thing called Living With Yourself, where he plays two, uh, uh, two characters, two brothers, one good, one bad. And I... While I was doing the transparent movie there, I flew to New York on, on a Tuesday, did that scene on the Paul Rudd show on Wednesday, flew back on Thursday, and it continued working on, um, on transparent. So that's what I've been doing. Amazing. And uh, this is the last thing I'm doing in L.A. I'm going back to New York and, and faint. Jerry, it's been an honor and a privilege. My pleasure. Thank you.